didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. The best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the, the Black, Black Cat, Cat Report. Report. See you on the other side. On the night of September 1st, 1969, Jane Green was driving back from Stockbridge, Massachusetts to the town of Great Barrington with her friend, Mary DeGrace. As they made their way closer to their destination, they noticed lights filling up the road ahead of them. Assuming it was either an accident or the cops, they continued towards the lights. But it kept getting brighter, more intense. And they started to notice other people were pulling off the road. They parked got out of their car, and realized the light was coming from a massive object stretching from horizon to horizon, hovering above the road. In absolute silence, everyone stood frozen by what they were witnessing. The object then raised up higher, shot left, then to the right, and took off in the blink of an eye. Jane, finally making it back home, would call into the local radio station asking if anyone else called in about the strange craft. The DJ dismissed her and laughed it off. Within the next hour, though, the station would begin being flooded by calls like Jane's from all over the county. This week, we're covering the Berkshire UFO incident. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lucky, episode 13 of the Black Cat Report. My name is Gil, and I'm joined with the other incredible host of the show, Joey. Ew. Betsabe. Hello. And Selena. Hello. Our episode today will be covering a series of close encounters and abductions all taking place one night in Berkshire, Massachusetts on September 1st, 1969. This area of the country was absolutely terrorized by this incident and we fully plan on explaining it for your entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because so many people have done that and like it's just such a random town too like it's just popular because of this it is it's like a weird it's a really weird like rural region which like ufo cases never happen in big cities and by that i mean they totally do happen in big cities but like aren't reported like this i feel like yeah Mm -hmm. well i mean this one they had so many people and like like they were saying like this ufo or you know like it just didn't care and it was just going around and doing its own thing kind of like like i feel like this was like like his first job ever you know <laughs> like yes. my first day at work yeah. so i'm doing everything wrong you know <laughs> wait which tom was i supposed to get fuck I, <laughs> the one with the age the one with no age get to that first name last name god Damn it! Nobody ever clarifies shit around here. I yeah, you can. I might be a gray, but today I'm blue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joey, for the obligatory laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, if you couldn't tell from the intro, um, our first story is going to start off with Tom Reed. Well, we all know horse people aka equestrians can't be trusted especially if they spell tom with an h and aren't tom york 
The story of this strange night's events wouldn't be complete without the story of the Reed family. Okay, maybe I'm a little bit bitter because I reached out to Tom and left him a voicemail and he never got back to me. Ring, ring. <laughs> Who's there? Nobody, because he didn't answer the phone. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Okay, I want to call out. Apparently he has a limit. I mean, he's doing well, but if you look at the the uh, Unsolved Mysteries, um, it just says entrepreneur. Um, Google searching his phone number, which I found by looking up the UFO monument to this event and like the park to this event. I did, wasn't a creeper. I just looked it up and I was like, oh, this is a phone number. Then I was like, whose is this? And I was like, oh, it's literally Tom Reed's phone number. Um, looking it up, he's associated with, I believe, um, and don't quote me on this, but like a paranatural like um, modeling agency, a limousine agency. His phone number was associated with Tennessee, but all of his businesses are in Miami. Um, and it's also publicly associated with the uh, UFO park that got dedicated to this event. So nobody go out and dox him or anything like that, but let him know we want him on the show. And if he wants to get back at us, well, reach out, dude. He's famous now. <laughs> yeah, he's so big. <laughs> but so again, he was an equestrian person. So like they can't be trusted. Everybody knows that. Anyways, 10-year-old <laughs> Tom Reed was making his family proud, riding a horse around at some event in town, when suddenly his saddle became unsecured. People of the show managed to slow the horse down and stop it before Tom got injured. Really great, glad he was safe. Well, grateful for his son's safety, Tom's mom, Nancy, was all like, let's go get food. Then went to a local diner, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it got to be around nine o'clock way past bedtime, and they decided to take a shortcut across an old rickety covered bridge on their way home. Also, I want to point out who's like, oh my god, my son didn't die. Let's get dinner. <laughs> it's such a weird reaction, but that's how all of the stories break down. <laughs> that's what happens. Like, when I almost drowned um, in in the pool, obviously. Well, it could have been in the ocean. Um, Like, after I was fine, my mom was like, Let's go get dinner. Is that like a mom thing I don't understand? Yeah, it might because be. Because like food brings I'm like let me prov yeah, let me provide for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm so glad you're living that I'm gonna keep you living. Yeah. Let me get food for you. I thought it was kind of like, okay, you get to eat today. Um, so <laughs> um, anyways. Um so yeah, she was grateful for her son's safety. They all went out to dinner. Um, it constantly gets pointed out that the family owned a diner, but they didn't go to the family's diner. Anyways, um, while Tom and his younger brother, Matthew, were sitting in the back of the family station wagon, which I will now refer to as a space station wagon, Tom was downing Fireball like no one's business. And by Fireball, I mean the hard candy, not the liquor. Anyways, at some point, he went to go give his younger brother some. Grandma, who was riding shotgun, caught Tom before his little bro got a hold of it and turned around to tell him that he's way the hell too young for hard candy. He might choke to death on it. Well, midway through laying down the law, Grandma sees a light rising from the banks of the Houstonic River. It was around that point that Nancy finally was pulling off the old bridge and saw just to the left in front of them a massive one to two story ball of light just floating there. At this point, the space station wagon barely moving at a crawl, multiple beams of light shot from it, hitting the car. 
Matthew, who apparently has the same attention span as me, looks over to the right and points out a large, swirling, orange orb floating next to them. While still slowly driving forward, they hit an, I guess like an auditory dead zone. Everything goes completely silent. The air feels different, almost like they're floating underwater. The ball of light suddenly disappears and Nancy finally pulls over, then boom! A massive, disc-shaped craft, the width of a football field, or, for our European listeners, the length of 800 cheeseburgers appeared hovering in front of them. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) The space station wagon was then consumed with light. All the sounds of the forest that had been muted came rushing back, but overwhelmingly loud. Boom. The car was off, and they were sitting in a pharmacy parking lot a mile away. Wow, that's insane. It's weird, right? Like, Um, why? Well, Grandma um, was now in the driver's seat, and it had been three hours since they were on the bridge. I imagine the aliens just talking to each other and just like, they're like, crap, where did we put them? It's like, <laughs> oh shit. It's just like, they're just like, one of them's just like, mm, damn it, Cleep Clorp 229, I told you to take a photograph. Um, shut the fuck up, Ted. You are not the boss or for me. <laughs> I don't always have to to, to do to document <laughs> because you always probe the wrong hole, idiot. <laughs> they're just like they're just fucking in a slap fight. Like, just could you imagine just like driving down some old country road and just see two grades like <laughs> just not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> the whole fucking time, it's literally just the families in the background just sprawled out on the ground, like, yeah. drooling, waiting to be, like, reanimated. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that they probably heard was probably like, damn, the aliens are going, we should go get some Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, mm, fuck this, let's get some Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why they went to go get food afterward, too. Well... <laughs> So, anyways, this all brings us to 14-year-old Melanie Kirchdorfer. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Well, all she wanted to do was to sneak off and smoke a cigarette with her friend who had stole one from their mom. But instead, she was stuck hanging out with her stupid parents and her stupid sister, who all wanted to hit up Dairy Queen for ice cream, then hang out at a nearby lake that night. After begrudgingly getting ice cream, Melanie and the rest of her family headed off to a nearby lake to chill and have a relaxing evening. After pulling into the parking lot, her dad, Joey, sorry Joey, um, was proving how obnoxious he could be by being one of those people that backs into every fucking parking spot. So this dude literally has the car and he's just trying to back into basically an empty parking lot. Really? Nothing on that? Nobody else hates people? Is this just my hater episode? Nobody else hates people? I that know, you're like only... hating so much You must have drank a lot of haterade this morning. Uh... I've, had a, I've had a stressful week. I'm just, I'm out for vengeance. Well, anyways. Yes, you are. I guess it's better than being named Thom. <laughs> That's true. Well. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, making the situation even worse, Joey got distracted by an intense light that flooded the area around them. Leaning over the steering over the steering wheel, he looked up. Holy shit! Mom, wary of what was happening, said, "Oh, Joey!" All the while, <laughs> Melanie and her sister in the back seat began screaming and shaking. Their mom, trying to calm them down, turned around. It's it's probably a shooting star or something. Well, Dad, completely fucking ignoring everyone, yelled out, We gotta chase it! And probably self-satisfied... <laughs> probably self-satisfied that he backed in and was ready to go, he hit the gas. That's when Melanie's... <laughs> God damn it. Damn it, Joey, don't be a Joey. <laughs> Well, well, that's when Melanie's memory began breaking down into parts, all right? So you have to realize that this is when it gets, it's a little bit weird. So begins breaking down into parts. All of a sudden, she's levitating outside of the car. And then she's on a ship. She's laid out on a table, looking over and seeing kids all around her. One by one, they begin disappearing. Then she opened her eyes, and she was laying on her back, alone, near the lake. Everyone was gone. Confused and frightened, she began making the long walk home alone. Later, she would find out she was the only one in her family that had any memory of what happened after they all saw the light. And I sincerely hope she was able to find a cigarette on the way home. (laughs) I mean, that's what Fireball will do to you, you know? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was Tom. That was well, Tom with an H. I'm sure it was spread but, around the town. Yeah. Oh my god, what if a bad batch of fireball caused all of this? <laughs> Never know. This would have been around the MK Ultra like testing. Maybe they just mm. slipped some LSD into all the fireball candies. I would not that makes surprised. sense. <laughs> that tracks. This was also during the exact same period that um uh Charles Manson was active. Just fun oh. fact. <laughs> fun fact <laughs> August to September just saying um, anyways so now we're on to Tom Warner our next encounter takes us to 10 year old Tom Warner Tom was hanging out at his neighbor's house with his friend 13 year old Debbie Green as her older sister Jane was babysitting him. it was a typical evening Tom and Debbie calmly sitting in the dining room well Jane was slamming the table, yelling at Tom to stay in the lines. <laughs> <laughs> he was jump. <laughs> I wish that was an exaggeration, but every interview about this specific situation brought up the fact that um, Jane was literally slamming the table, yelling at like, poor Tom Warner, being like, remembers. yeah, well, like, everybody, there's other witnesses, like, everybody's just like, yeah, she was slamming the table, <laughs> telling him to stay in the lines, it's like, dude, it's a 10-year-old, like, chill the fuck out. Even the aliens were, were thinking that, too, they were just like, we gotta get him out of this house. <laughs> yeah. I think so. So, like, I I don't know, I picture this whole thing as just being like, you think you're gonna get into Harvard with crap like that? Stay in the lines! <laughs> just, like, yelling at this poor 10-year-old. <laughs> so everything was as it should be Tom was being yelled at for drawing and coloring outside of the lines and that was until Tom walked over to the window and looked outside 
probably to contemplate if a Catholic boys' school would be easier than hanging out with Jane. Probably. <laughs> That's when it happened. Tom heard the voice of God. Or at least that's how he took it. You need to go home now. Tom looks over at Debbie and says, I need to go home now. (laughs) They all ask, what? What are you talking about? Did Did your mom yell for you? Did your mom tell you to? And he's like, no, I heard a voice. Maybe from that cloud up there. (laughs) It was at this point, you know, Tom, not being one to disobey orders, just fucking booked it. Tom bolted past a confused Debbie and Jane and began running through the yard towards his house. Chasing after him, they watched as he made his way to the end of their yard. Suddenly, Tom hits a point where all the sound disappears, and his breath was taken from him. He looks left, and almost instantly, a massive... 30 to 40 foot UFO drops out of the sky. It's rotating in three different directions with beautiful lights swirling on it that he says to this day he cannot explain. And I listen to interviews. He's really into like water, uh, watercolors, water painting and stuff like that. Still can't make these colors. Well, while staring at it, mesmerized, a beam of light comes down and hits him. Tom tries to run, but it's no use. Everyone watches as Tom is suspended, running in place, literally inventing the running man. His arms jerk back like he's strapped to an invisible table. Air fills his lungs in a way that he says later could be best explained as that first breath when you come up, first come up out of water when you're swimming. Then, poof, Tom disappears. I could just imagine this whole time that Jane is still yelling at him like, Damn it, Tom! You think you're going to get abducted running like that? Stay in the line! Just like still just banging on shit in the background. Breathe in the lines. (laughs) Breathe in the lines. God damn it. You're never going to get Harvard like this. Um, Well, anyways. And so this is when it gets even more wild. Well, Tom was gone wherever he was, he began having strange momentary flashes of memory, brief clips of scenes where he was floating inside of something, looking down and seeing tons of young children, basically Anatoly Slivko's dream, aliens, and what he he assumes to be an alien hybrid. At one point, he sees a girl, Anatoly's nightmare, Her eyes absolutely sunken back in fear. Her face horrified. It was Melanie. As he floated, he saw the room filled with colors, none of them in the lines, as well as a flat table, strange instruments, and control panels laid out. That's hilarious. You got me on that one. (laughs) Then poof, he opens his eyes and sees a light shining down onto him while lying flat on his back at the other end of the yard. His brother began screaming, get up, get up, Tom, run. But he can't. And it was at that point he heard a voice in his head say, I'll be done in a minute. (laughs) He lays there. (laughs) I know. 
He lays there, completely held down by the light, then snap. The light shuts off. He stands up, and literally everybody involved in the situation watches as a UFO darts away. In all, he had vanished in full view of at least three people for seven minutes. I mean, what I like about this story is I think it's been, like, the most descriptive, like, uh, rapture story I've heard from people. Like, the details and, sorry, the details in every single story, they're just so, they're, like, very, like, you can make a movie out of this, you know? Because most people, when they get abducted or whatever, or they see something, they're like, I think this is what happened, but maybe it didn't, but then I heard something, and they're not very, like, like, you can't really paint a story with it, but with this, like, every single person can tell you exactly, like, how it happened, you know? And they all match, too. It's not like, like, it was just, like, some, you know, that had the one story. They all match, and then, like, the crazy part to me is that the other Tom, um, actually saw melanie you know and they said that later when they were adults too they were like yeah "Yeah, i saw you in the ship i saw you in the ship too you know like that's insane like you've never heard of this before yeah that was um uh listened to a couple interviews with both of them and they both admitted to the fact that like while they didn't acknowledge it when they saw themselves like a few years later like Basically, uh, Melanie, you know, she's a few years older than him. She would have been, like, a senior in high school by the time that, like, Tom was becoming, like, a freshman in high school. And um, they both saw each other, and they instantly had that, like, connection. They were like, wait a second, I know you. I know you from somewhere. And they didn't talk about it for years. Like, up until, like, a handful of years ago, they just straight up, like, didn't acknowledge it. But they both... You know, basically through talking to friends, talking to people over the years, they both acknowledge the fact, like, I totally saw that dude. I know exactly where he's from. And, like, this event was so, was so huge and so widespread. Like, you know, I don't know if we said it at the intro, but, like, it got upwards of, like, 40 or so people across the area are documented, apparently, or yeah, um, as like to have seen or to witness or to like interacted with in some way this whole experience of like a rookie alien doing catch and release all across town, right? And like, I don't know, that's trippy as hell to me. Like, so I think a lot of it too, when people talk about the talk about this incident, they talk about, you know, some people did research into the radio broadcast that everyone says that they called in on. And like, you know, everyone talks about, hey, like, wouldn't they keep a record of something special like this? But people actually went into the records for this radio station and like pretty much they asked like, hey, do you have the records of the day before? Did you keep anything? Do you have the day after? Do you have like the past year of that whole year? And they said no. So it's like they didn't keep a record of that night. Why would they keep a record of every other night? You know, like they or any, every yeah. other night, why would they keep a record of that night? So I, I feel like when people kind of naysay this is like, oh, we looked into it or even the newspapers, the same thing. It's like it was pretty much like, Mm-hmm. shrugged off and law enforcement the same thing they're the only ones like legally required to keep stuff but i mean this was what 69 so i mean yeah. in a small small town there was probably one cop on duty at at this time maybe one or two on duty at this time kind of just like sitting thumbing around probably being yeah. like man 
I don't want to do anything. Do you want to do that? I was taking a nap, you know, probably. Yeah. And just sitting there like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to rep- get all these reports. It's probably just some stupid kids flashing flashlights, getting drunk in the, in the, the fields again. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like it, it, there wasn't a lot of records from like the, the cops or from the radio station or from the news source. And, you know, because they just didn't take it as seriously as we do now, you know? Yeah. Not as easily keeping records because now we just go, oh, cool. Let me text my friend that this uh, this happened. You know, yes. like, oh my god. I'll, you know, we didn't take a video of our experience, but most people would. You know, there's like, yeah, that's like a total thing. Is like there was no like cloud storage back then. You couldn't just like have basically unlimited documentation of events. It was like you recorded an event, you recorded an event, and then um. You know, like the next day you had to record over those tapes, you know, like you had you had such a limited amount of space for things like this. And like, you know, this is 1969, like it wasn't necessarily like the situation of the case where it's like UFOs were big enough. I mean, they were starting to get big, but it would, they weren't big enough that somebody's like, oh, this is a major UFO incident. I need to record it. You know, which is what makes it so special when people do, like, when we do have cases, like, for instance, with, um, uh, oh, shoot, uh, is it with Peel, right? With, uh, was it John Peel? Is that right? I'm totally blanking on the name. Um, the guy, no, 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 the, the guy who recorded, like, Mothman prophecies, this is terrible, because I just wrote a script about the women in black, just like literally a couple of weeks ago but that's how quick my memory goes please nobody put me in trivia about our own oh. shows i will fail um so like it's the only way i can make space for these things it's just like and delete and next recording um so but yeah like um yeah when peel uh went around and was documenting everything with the mothman that's what made it so special is because he like realized the moment he dropped everything and he like hopped in you know went down to uh southwest ohio and west virginia and was just like or sorry southeast ohio west virginia and was just like all right i need to get in here i need to record everything i need to record the sightings the men in black the ufos the this the that the everything um but like people didn't know to do that back then like he kind of set a standard right um and this event is kind of proof for it like cops didn't really give a fuck but and like the radio station sure as hell didn't give a fuck. But what happened was just like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 people, you know, whatever, like it just became a thing like across so many different cities all across the county. And there's even a report of like, there was a guy with his mother back in 1969, who like both witnessed a UFO in Long Island on the night of uh, September 1st, 1969, like appear in the sky and then jet off in that exact same direction earlier in the night like this was this was a craft that like appeared and it was like seen across like multiple states and multiple regions before all these incidences started like popping up and then even with some of the folks where it's just kind of like i don't know dude you know like this telepathy thing about like hearing voices in your head and da 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 it's a little bit far-fetched like it's hard to deny like three or four witnesses like across age groups right who've been holding on to the exact same story from their perspective for years like it kind of gives it more credibility like i honestly with um 
with the Tom, Tom without a H, like, um, <laughs> normal Tom, um, you know, like I've listened to some interviews with him and I was kind of just like, it's a little bit wonky, you know, like it's a little bit yeah. like out there where he's he, just like, yeah, you know, I've been abducted multiple times and like I, this happened and this happened. I, I feel like for his part of it, like, cause I was listening to some interviews too. And it's just like, I, I feel like at the first part of it, you're telling the truth, but I feel like now you, you, you're like trying to use this as like a big platform for like, for yourself. Like I, it does yeah. feel like, cause like it happened to everybody else, but then yeah, he talks about his family. True. Uh, his family had multiple experiences. Like, wasn't that the one where his mom was also abducted as well? Um, I think it was his dad. His dad was abducted. It was like had a like couple months before camping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously this was really a rookie alien because first he flies over <laughs> New York and the guys just like hits him in the back of the head and he's like, this ain't the wrong place. This ain't the right place. And throw it. then they drive off and they're like, oh, this is the one. Okay. Um, then they abduct all the Toms and then finally they find the right one. <laughs> so they're just sitting there like, dang, this is like, what are you doing? You know, like that guy got fired, obviously. Like <gasps> that alien probably got fired. We and haven't seen him again. We haven't seen him again. He probably got sent home, sent off to like the sun or something to work in. As like you're gonna follow you, you can't follow in your father's footsteps, and sends him on to work like on the sun, like on a mining colony or something. I don't know. Poor guy. Um, you know, first rookie mistake, but like you know, for them it's a big mistake. This explains what happened to Tom on MySpace. They finally got him. Oh that oh was the God. right time. Ah! No. God damn it. Aw, Tom. This is what happened to MySpace. And they replaced him. They didn't leave us. They replaced him with Zuckerberg. Everybody's yeah. first God friend. Damn it, this makes sense. I mean, seriously. Poor Tom. Well, they, th you know, they probably needed a friend and Aww. that was actually his wanted poster was him in the chair, just turning and looking like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy, poor Tom. God not damn it. Tom, Cause yeah, they feel lonely. They're like, we want to be friends with Tom too. And it was my space. Oh. I was just thinking this. I was just thinking this. No. God damn. And they said to Tom, this ain't your space. This is our space. And that's <laughs> our space, bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how how believable with all that said, like how believable do y'all think this is? I think it's very believable. It, this is like I told you, it's my favorite because of that, because it's so descriptive. And yeah, like even if their stories are or like, you know, when you interview them later and some I do people, too. you know, go off. It's like they're excited, whatever, you know, but I don't yeah. think or deny like that the that what happened is what happened. Yeah, there seem to be too many witnesses across like such a span. Like it did span different states and things like that. So I think it's pretty credible and it's really interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of a movie. Like the idea yeah. of it because of all the people and just like you you can just see it in some ways of like how all these people have these different sides of it, but all comes kinda into one, especially with 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 uh Tom and Melanie's story, how they both see each other on the craft. Yeah, it's insane. like I feel like it all It is very cinematic. Yeah, it feels so cinematic and like that I mean to me that it does that doesn't make it fake to me. It just makes it like it's a true life story because all these people have these experiences and 
talk about it. And I, and I think honestly that they waited for so long, um, that they waited for so long to, um, to tell it for me makes it like more credible because, you know, you kind of have all this stuff in the back of your head and you kind of have all this stuff going on where you're just like, what? Like, did I, did that happen? And, you know, after a while, you can kind of talk yourself out of it. Like, oh, that probably didn't happen. But for them to just be like, no, for so long that this happened to me, like, I know that this happened for all of them, you know? Yeah. It just makes it to me more like, okay, this happened. This did happen. I kind of, I don't know. I'm going to come in as the, as the, as the skeptic in this one. There's, there's something that feels off to me even though there's like large numbers associated with this like and the reason why i say that is because um there's this number 40 that keeps getting thrown around there were 40 witnesses 40 people saw it 40 this 40 that oh I I'm that. It, it's it's in everything it, they just keep citing the number 40. i have yet to find a single list of those 40 wet of those 40 witnesses i have no clue where the people where people are getting this number of 40 and while while three or four or five or six or whatever you know 10 witnesses is a sizable amount for an event for an experience it's this number that's just set that's really high that's almost unquestionable right it's 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 reasonably unquestionable if they would have said 3000 it would be like that's insane you know but like 40 is like just low enough in my mind that it's like that sounds fair spread out over counties at nine o'clock at night that sounds fair everybody's saying 40 show me a list of these 40 witnesses i've been looking for it and i can't find it they just keep saying this and the fact that it is a small town it is a small area and hoaxes do happen and the way that tom without the h responds to certain things it made me a little bit sus you know like um i don't know one dude nothing wrong with like i mean well theoretically nothing wrong with like becoming an entrepreneur and things like that but it seems a little bit fame related or at least like he capitalized on it and with tom uh the the tom uh Sorry, Tom with an H became the entrepreneur. Tom without the H did not become an entrepreneur. Thanks so much for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on the Berkshire UFO incident. Make sure to keep up with us online on our Instagram or on our website, blackcat.report. Reach out to us and let us know what kind of merch you want to see in our online store. And always remember to like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. So that Berkshire UFO incident, how we all feeling about it? <laughs> Angry. Angry. Confused. Well, I just bought a 250-page book that I have to read within the next three days, and I'm going to deliver you guys next week a fucking insane abduction story. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say it's more believable, but I will say it's more I was credible. Yes. I was going to ask if you found it more credible. I haven't read it yet. 
but based off the credentials of who's backing it up um <laughs> i don't want to give away any spoilers based off of like who's backing it up and why they're backing it up i put some weight into it you know like this is the same time as j allen hynek right um this is the same time as project blue book this is the same time as um kind of the heavy hitters in ufology right stanton friedman folks like that and there's not a whole lot of weight behind um berkshire and I'm not going to say that they're like a flawless and that like they always get it right or something like that. But I am going to say when they throw their weight behind a case, like they put their name behind a case, it's because they've done a shit ton of research and they feel comfortable doing that. They don't often just kind of go out there and they're like, yeah, I'm looking into this and this is what I know. They like kind of keep it close to the chest until they're like, yes, this is something um so next week we're getting heavy i wonder how much a lot of those people actually really looked into the berkshire ufo incidents if they like did you know besides like the early you know um UFO investigations into them and just see i wonder if like they did i mean i know that a lot of those people you just mentioned are very you know meticulous about how they view stuff about how they you know investigate things so i imagine that they did go interview people they probably went to the town called the radio station called the police like we're, we're talking about to to get records and for them they didn't have any records so i imagine at that moment they probably were just like nah, this is to us it's it's too much of word of mouth and not as much of you know, just records or believing in two to three people. And then also probably saw that guy, Tom, basically going out and just kind of using the UFO abduction to kind of further his own career and yeah. further his own like life. I mean, Melanie didn't like, you know, <laughs> some of these people did lose a lot for yeah. from this happening. What is it? The, the family had to sell the restaurant, I think, afterwards and move out of the town so yeah. when that stuff have <laughs> mm -hmm. so that tells me that a lot of it, it to me it's like if people are willing to lose like family businesses and just to just to be like okay like i, I think it's true instead of just being like no it's not true you know like eventually caving yeah. to it when people when public pressure kind of gets put on you i feel like people do cave you know, um, to like, okay, that didn't happen. Like, you know, whatever, we'll just, we'll go on like nothing happened, you know, but I feel like since a lot of people haven't caved about it and they're kind of still want to know what really happened kind of makes it seem a little credible to me. Um, yeah, the kids are being, that's just going so through like the human element of it and not like judging the actual factual parts of it. I will say like, well, that's a totally solid and like rational approach. Um, I feel like the more that somebody gets like pushed down into a spot where like everybody's kind of calling them out and saying something, once people commit to a narrative, um, the the sacrifice that go with it that goes with it doesn't necessarily 
like uh, translate into legitimacy, like the martyrdom that comes with somebody being like, no, uh, I still believe it. You know, like it's like it doesn't always necessarily translate to like it's genuine. Sometimes when people are that low, it's almost like the only thing they can hold on to. But and the reality is, is like if they let go of that, then they not only have people that are making fun of them and don't believe them hating them. Now they have the people that were believing them hating them. At that point, they've lost everything. Like who the who the hell still backs them? Like once you kind of get like, and especially in a situation where it's like you're quickly getting knocked down to a certain point, it's like if you give up your only supporters, like that's even more tough than just doubling down. So like, and I, and I do, you know, it's really easy to, I often like look at this and I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, they're like, man, they would sacrifice so much. And I, I feel the same way, but then also a skeptical side of me is kind of like, yeah, but if they dropped it at that point, like they lose everyone, you know? That's true. I mean, they wouldn't have anything left, not even their story. So I guess their uh, yeah, their life in their eyes would just be like, whoa, like we pretty much just wasted all of our time on this. Yeah. Which so would it, suck. That would be really bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. It'd be super shitty. And like, I don't know. I, I think something happened September 1st, 1969 uh, in Berkshire, like Massachusetts. Um, but some of these stories just seem a little bit like extra to me. I don't know why, but something, something in the research smells fishy to me. That's all. I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know. Something feels off. I can't put my finger on it. Thank you all so much for the listens, the likes, and the subscribes to our podcast. We appreciate every little thing you do to support us. Please let us know what you would like to see in our online store as well. Remember to reach out to us on Instagram or contact at blackcat.report if you have any feedback or show topic ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, we'll be back with another UFO story. We'll see you on the other side.